Thank you for joining us here at Creative Church. We pray today's word blesses your heart and blesses your life. And if it has, I want to encourage you to feed what's feeding you and to give to what is given to you. The easiest way to do that is to visit us at creativechurch.com give. Thank you for your faithfulness and for your generosity. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure to click on notifications so you never miss an encouraging word from Creative Church. But the book of Matthew chapter 21, I'm going to begin reading just a, just a quick story here. The parable of the two sons in verse 28. This is Jesus. And he says, but what do you think? A man had two sons and he came to the first and said, son, go work in the vineyard, go work in the field. And he says, I will not. But afterward, he regretted and went. Changed his mind. And then he came to the second likewise. And he answered and said, I go. I will go do whatever you said. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of the Father. And they said to him the first, Jesus said to them, surely I say to you, the tax collectors, the harlots, will enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you the way of the righteousness, but you do not believe him, but tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not. And afterward he relented and believed him. This is a very famous story, very, very powerful parable of the two sons. Let's dig into this today. Father, I thank you for your word. Anoint me to minister with clarity. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that's in this place. Come on, Jesus. Just move in this house today. God, touch hearts and touch lives. Lord, that we would leave changed. We need you. Let it, let it not just be a church service as normal. Let us not just come in here and just run through the motions and leave, but God, do something today that would be talked about around the dinner table, that would be talked about long afterward, God. And I thank you for the Holy Spirit that's in this place. I thank you for what you're able to do. And you we live and you we move and you we breathe, and without you we can do nothing. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Come on, let's go to work today. Amen. Give your worship team a big God bless you. I love those people. They love you. It is November and God is not through with you. God is not through with this church. And I came today to tell all of us that we need to finish this year stronger. Come on, let's finish stronger. We need to finish this year strong. And the reality is I came to challenge every one of us today because we can do better than we're doing right now. I'm talking to you. Not the person next to you. I'm talking to you. We as a church can do better than we're doing right now. Can I get an amen about it? How many of you believe we can serve the Lord better than we're serving him right now? We can love him more than we're loving him right now. Come on, anybody with me? I know on behalf of myself I can say I can do a better job at serving Jesus then I've been serving him so far. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and we can do more than we're doing right now. We can finish stronger. 
finish stronger than uh, we started. We can do more and serve him and love him more. And this parable represents uh, the two sons, represents the two directions that you can take in life. And the father said to both of his sons, go out in the field and work. You know, some people got an allergic reaction to work. <laughs> they just do. They itch and, and fall out and complain and whine. Some people are just allergic to it, you know. And I, I, I'm allergic to laziness. Anybody else that just burns me up to see laziness. And, uh, and the father told, just nothing makes me more angry in the world to tell my sons and daughters to go do something and they just lazy with it. Dear Lord, it just burned me up on the inside. And, uh, and the, the father told him, go out in the field and work. And the father represents God. The field represents the, the world, represents the harvest. How many of you know the Bible's clear? It says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And, uh, and the father said, you know, I want you to go out there to his sons and work. And, and uh, one told the dad, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. You can count on me. It's done. And then he just never went. He just never went out into the field. He never did it. Never ended up working. The second son had an attitude and, uh, and, and said, um, I'm, I'm not going to go. Uh, but the Bible says later he repented and, and changed his heart, changed his mind. I don't even know God will deal with your heart. And God dealt with his heart, and, and he, he finally listened to his father and went out in the field and decided to work and do the will of the father. Two pathways, two responsibilities uh, that I'm sharing today to everyone under the sound of my voice. Everyone listening to me today has two possibilities. You can either represent one of the sons that said they would do it and didn't do it, or you represent the son that said he wouldn't do it, and he went out there and eventually got it done. And I believe that God's called us to be a part of reaping the harvest in the last days. How many of you believe we're living in the last days? I really believe that with all of my heart. If you're like, Pastor, do you believe we're living in the last days? We are. And whether you believe that it's the last days or not, it's still your last days. I mean, these are your last days. You know, whether you're 30, 40, 50, 70, these are your last days. If you're going to do something for God, you need to do it. Come on, amen about it. This is what, regardless whether it's the last days or not, it's your last days. What are you going to do with your days? And he started out well. He had the right intentions, and he, be, he began in the right way, and, and he said, I'm going to do it. And somewhere along the way, something happened. Somewhere along the way, he got distracted. He he made the promise, but somewhere along the way, he lost his way. And some, somehow he fell away. And this is the, a type or a shadow of a person who starts out really well. Really well, living for God. Really well, excited about the Lord, meaning well. They've got the right intentions. They, they were excited about their faith and something happens along the way. Maybe they get hurt. Uh, raise your hand if you've ever been hurt. By church, if your hand's not up, keep coming. You're going to get hurt. Right? I've been, I've, been, I've been hurt by people. I've been pastoring this church 18 years. Guess how many years I've been hurt? 18 years. All right, you're going to get hurt because you're dealing with people. 
Maybe they got hurt. Maybe someone somehow through friendly fire hurt them or hurt their family or they fell out or they, they, they started out well, but something happened. They got disappointed. Somebody disappointed them. Uh, they disappointed a person. They disappointed themselves. They, they, uh, they, they got hurt by some other person in the church. They got disappointed, and now they're, they've grown distant. And now they're out in the field. They were, they were out in the field working for the master, and now they're distant. Many times people get out of the will of God. They get ahead of God, uh, or they get discouraged because God didn't do what they wanted God to do, when they wanted God to do it, how they wanted God to do it, with who they wanted God to do it. God is not into your will. He's into his will. You're going to have to surrender your will to the will of the Father. Amen. How many of you ever prayed and asked God for things and now you can thank God he didn't give it to you? Come on. Garth Brooks calls it unanswered prayers. Don't make me sing that. And uh, something happened along the way. They started out good, but they stopped. They started out serving God. They started out with the right heart. They started out with good intentions and and and. And then there's those people that didn't count the cost. Jesus said, count the cost. There's a cost to be used by God. Some people want to do this for God, and they see other things, and they see what other people do in the kingdom. I want to do that, and let me do that. But they don't realize there's a price to be paid. Anybody that you see God using in an amazing way, please know there's a price to be paid. You may not see it. They may not tell you what it is. They may not explain to you what they're going through. But anybody that you see anywhere in the kingdom around the world, that you see God using it in an amazing way, then you go, I want to do that. I had somebody come to me the other day, a young guy who came to me and said, I want to do what you do. I said, I bet you do. <laughs> the question is not, do you want to do what I do? The question is, are you willing to do what I did? Because if you're not willing to do what I did, then you can't do what I do. And if you try and, and, and do what I do without doing what I did, you end up in doo-doo. People want the do, but they don't want the did. I can't explain no better than that. And Jesus said to count the cost. Because they started out, they were excited about serving God, and then they, they didn't realize that trouble was going to come. Some people, when they get saved, they think God's brought them into an eternal party. And they don't realize that you're going to go through heartache, you're going to go through challenges, you're going to go through trials and tribulations and sufferings. Jesus said it. They forgot that part of the Bible. And they, uh, they didn't... They didn't realize that, you know, persecution was going to come and opposition was going to come and oppression was going to come. And, and they, they did not count the cost of working in the field for the Father. So they got discouraged because now it's costing them something to be used of God. You know, you're here on Sunday. You could be out selling homes. You could be out doing this. You could be out fixing other things. You could be out making more money. You could be, well, I got it. That's going to cost me. That's going to, you know, serving God's going to cost me. Doing this for God is going to cost me something. It's going to cost you. And there's obstacles that we don't count on coming that come. And then all of a sudden there's all these, these, these hidden hindrances and you get hit. Anybody ever been hit by the enemy? 
You had a good plan, a good intention. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, and all of a sudden you got hit. It's like Mike Tyson. He says everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> and if that's not enough, then there's the world. There's the world to discourage you. And, 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 and fighting the world and, and all the things that, that God has pulled you out of and set you free from. The temptations and the desires of this world wanting to pull you back into sin and pull you back into addiction and pull you back into relationships that God pulled you out of and pull you back into lust and pull you back. How many people know there's just the world? That is that, that just fighting the good fight of faith and doing what God's called you to do. Now you got the world, who you used to be, knocking at the door saying, come back, come back, come back. The kingdom of this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, and pulling you back into old habits, and pulling you back into old sins. And, there's all, and if that's not enough, you, there's always the enemy. There's always Satan taking advantage of your weaknesses. And if we're not careful, we can end up like one-third of the fallen angels who were in heaven. You know, people are just never satisfied. You got people, people, I watch people leave church and do that. And it's like, you got to realize there's not, just because somebody left the church doesn't mean there's something wrong with that church. God lost one third of heaven. They're in heaven. And they're like, nah, we don't like it. <laughs> they're in heaven. The first church split was in heaven. You can have heaven and people still not like it. And you can't even blame, you can't away with saying, well, there's got to be some truth to that. You know, just because people leave doesn't mean there's truth to it. God lost one third of heaven. You can't say, well, come on, God, all these angels can't be wrong. You had to be doing something wrong. <laughs> come on, God, you know, one third of all these angels can't be wrong. Yes. Let God be true and every man a liar, the Bible says. And then you got Satan pulling you back. And if we're not careful, we'll end up like those angels that started off in the presence of God, worshiping in the presence of God. But you can end up like one of those fallen angels that walked away from their first love. And they were thrown out of heaven like Lucifer, the fallen angel. We can walk away from our commitment to God. We can walk away from our desire to serve the Lord. And this first boy said that, you know, I'll finish. I'm, I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. But he didn't go. You know, Ecclesiastes 9 and 11 says the Bible, the Bible declares that the race is not given to the swift nor the strong, but unto him that what? Endures. How many people can endure? Can endure to them. Well, I've been praying for three weeks. I've been praying for two days. I've been praying for seven months. It's not can you pray. It's how long can you pray? The man who got healed at the pool, he was at the pool for 38 years. The woman with the issue of blood, she had that issue of blood for 12 years. Some of us, if, we don't, if God don't do what we ask him to do, when we ask him to do it, how we ask him to do it, in two weeks we give up, we walk out. Well, bless God, I gave $20. I didn't get the promotion. Well, it's, it's, can you endure? He didn't finish strong. He started strong. A lot of people start well, but they don't finish well. 
And if we're not careful, we can end up like the five foolish virgins, virgins who ran out of oil. The Bible declares that, that, that they started out well. They, they had good intentions, but, but, but they didn't keep their lamps filled with oil. The oil represents the presence of God, the hunger for the Holy Spirit, the knowledge of the Word of God. They started out great, ready, looking for Jesus, the bridegroom, looking for Jesus to come. But somewhere along the way, they became complacent. Somewhere along the way, they just decided, well, you know, God knows my heart, and I just, you know, I am got busy. And, and when the bridegroom came, they didn't have their lamps filled with oil which represents the church, half of the church. Half of the church is not ready to meet Jesus. That's what that represents. Half of the people who say, I, I'm looking for the bridegroom, are not ready to meet the bridegroom, are not ready to meet Jesus. And Paul warns us that in the last days that there would be a great falling away, a great falling away. And many people who started out on fire for God, many people who started out strong with the glow of the Holy Spirit in their heart and in their life, that, that they were passionate, full of zeal, and they once felt the warm glow of the Holy Spirit and, and passionate about God, that their heart would wax cold in the last days. Paul talks about it. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10, Paul even talks about Demas. He said, Demas, my, my, my brother in the faith, has forsaken me having loved this present world. That there are people that, that were once on fire for God. Demas was on fire for God. He was a brother in the faith with Paul, but his heart began to wax cold because he fell in love with this world. He fell in love with the pleasures of this world. He fell in love with the culture of this world. He became indoctrinated with the culture of this world. We think that all this stuff is new that we're dealing with, with sexuality. None of this stuff is new. These are the same lies that Satan's been telling since the dawn of time. This is the same stuff that the New Testament church walked through with the Corinthian church, with, with, with the Ephesus church, with Diane of Ephesus was a god of, of sexuality and orgies and promiscuity and, and homosexuality. All of this stuff, the early church walked through it. Paul had to come in and deal with the church because the church people had lost their mind. He called it, they were a dumpster fire of a church in Corinthians. You had a, young, you had a boy sleeping with his mother in church they were saved but they were they were carnal paul says y'all are christian but you are carnal christians you are into the flesh you once had a passion for god you once had an excitement for god you once had a zeal for god and the holy spirit but you have listened and become indoctrinated with the culture of this world and it's made your heart wax cold. You've even, some people have even turned on, they even turned on Paul. Got angry at Paul. Look at it in Galatians chapter 4, verse 8 through 20. Paul begins to speak to the church. Verse 8, he said, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not God. He said, you were a slave in your sin. How many people know what it's like to be a slave to sin, but God sets you free? He says, verse 9, but now that you know God, or rather you are known by God. How many of you are thankful that God knows you? Not just that you know him, but he knows you. 
He says, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? He says, now that God has set you free, you're going to go back into sin? You're going to go back into bondage? You're going to go back into that addiction? You're going to go back into that relationship after Jesus sets you free from it? Listen to Paul. Y'all think I'm stern. Verse 10, he says, you are observing special days and months and seasons of years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. Oh, God. Y'all think I'm a rough pastor. Paul said, I, I feel like I'm wasting my time talking to you. I feel like I have wasted my time talking to you because I share the faith with you. I share Christ with you. I tell you what God has said, and you're going to go back into sin? You, after Christ sets you free, after Jesus delivered you, after all that he's done, you're going to have an attitude and be upset and, 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 and let the world divide you? He said, I feel like I wasted my time even talking to you. Oh, Lord. He says, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, I, I became Verse 13, as you know, I was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. He said, instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Jesus Christ himself. He said, when I first came to you, I came to you because I was sick. And I preached Christ to you, and you weren't mad at me. You weren't frustrated with me. You had no attitude with me. He said, you, you treated me as if I was an angel from God. You treated me as if I was Jesus Christ himself preaching. How much you loved me. How much you cared and valued the kingdom. Verse 15, where then is your blessing of me now? He says, why? He says what happened? Why, you hate, why are you hating me now? Why you got an attitude with me now? When I first came to you, I was sick, and you did all this for me. You loved me. You treated me as if I was an angel of God. You treated me as if I was Jesus Christ himself. Where's your blessing of me now? He says, I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your own eye and given it to me. He said, you loved me and loved the church in such a way that if that if I, if I would have asked you to give me your eye, you would have ripped it out and given it to me. That's how much you love the church. That's how much you love Jesus. That's how much you love me. That's how much you love the word of God. You were so excited. You were so passionate. You were so on fire. Amen. And then verse 16, he says, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Because I tell you the truth, am I now your enemy? You, you once loved me. You once loved the house. You once loved the kingdom. But because I told you the truth, now I'm your enemy. You'd be shocked at the people when you tell them the truth, how they walk away from God, how they get angry at the church. You were once on fire for God. Why are you preaching this, Pastor? Because God is telling us to tell the truth. And when people tell you the truth, just like 2,000 years ago, people have a tendency to get an attitude. And Satan causes division amongst the body of Christ. He says, how, 
How have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? Verse 17, those people are zealous to win you over. He said, the world is zealous to win you over, but not for good. They want, uh, what they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them, have zeal for the world's cause. The world's telling you, you're born this way. Jesus is saying, you need to be born again. He said, it's fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I am with you. He says, verse 19, my dear children, of whom I am again in the pains of childbirth unto Christ is formed in you. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. This is Paul writing to the church. He's bringing the church into conviction because they have, they have an attitude because Paul is telling them the truth. One of the most haunting verses in all of the Bible is Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. Put it on the screen, Galatians 5, verse 7. It says, you are running well. Go, go back to verse, oh, there it is. You ran well. You ran well. You started out well. How many of you started out well? Come on, anybody. You started out well. He said you started out well, but who hindered you? Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Who hindered you? Not what. Not what hindered you. Who hindered you? There was a person that Satan used to get in your ear. To discourage you, oh, Lord Jesus, to start causing division in your heart, to start causing division amongst the body of Christ, to start causing division. Well, I don't think they know good, and I think they don't pay attention to you, and I don't think they love you, and I don't think they, they do this for you. And I don't think, you, can be, you can slowly be deceived by the enemy. And he said, you started out so good. You was at Belong in the newcomer. You, you signed up for a team. You were smiling. You got saved. You started out so good. You was loving Jesus. You was on fire for God. But who hindered you? Who hindered you from obeying the what? The truth. He says, you were doing so good. And somebody came along and hindered you. And Paul says, someone has come, come into your life that has gained influence in your life that has turned you away from the truth. That's what's happened to a lot of our teenagers. That's what's happened to a lot of our young adults. That's what's happened to a lot of people of all kinds of different ages and backgrounds. Somebody's come into you, something you watched on social media, something you got on YouTube, something you, you saw over here, or a friend, or, or somebody got in your ear and hindered you from the truth. Now you don't think marriage is between a man and a woman. Now you think people are born this way. Now you think this. Now you're against the church. The church is hateful. The church judge. Everybody's mean. Pastor's wicked. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And Paul dealt with it too. 2,000 years ago, and Paul dealt with the church. He said, they want you to be zealous for their cause. They want you to be zealous for the things of this world. He says, you need to be zealous and excited for the things of Christ. I like this little sermon. Because it's true that you could have known the Holy Spirit. You could have felt the warm glow of the Holy Spirit touch your heart and your life as a young boy, as a young, young girl, and walk. your heart now has grown cold for God. 
And it's true that you could end up shipwrecked and distant and isolated and walked away from the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I made a decision that I'm going to end better than I started. That my best days are not behind me. Come on, somebody. That they're ahead of me. My greatest days of pastoring, my greatest days of preaching, my greatest days of parenting, come on, they're ahead of me. I plan to finish stronger than I did when I started. When I started this church 18 years ago, I mean to tell you I was on fire for God. I was on fire for God. We didn't have nothing. I was on fire for God. Preaching, I was evangelizing, going all over the nation, preaching and telling people about Jesus. And now I'm 42 with eight kids later, and and I intend on finishing stronger than I did when I started in Jesus' name. Amen. How about you? How about you? Do you have the intention on finishing stronger? Or are you like, well, my best days are behind me. You know, well, God used to do that. I intend on finishing stronger. I intend on doing more for the Lord than I've ever done in my life. Your vision is not over. God is not through with you. God's not through with creative church. God's going to help us get that ranch. God's going to help us get that bus. God's going to help us do all the things that he's called us to do with that vision because God is not through with us. He's called us to empower teenagers at our Young and Creative Conference. He's called us to rescue marriages at our marriage conference. Our lamps as creative church people will not be half full. We're going to be full of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be full of the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be full of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to be ashamed of speaking in tongues. We're not going to be ashamed of miracles, signs, and wonders. We need the Holy Spirit now more than we've ever needed him. Come on, creative church. We want miracles. We want the presence of God. We want the Holy Spirit. We want signs and wonders. Our latter days shall be greater than our former days. In Jesus' name, we will not fall away. We're not going to be a church that our lamp goes out. We're not going to be a church that forfeits and negotiates at the table of our adversaries. We will not bow. Did you hear what I said? We will not bow. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we will not bow. Even if he doesn't save us, we are faithful to the cause of Jesus Christ. You've got to make some decisions. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I heard this old rock song from the 70s. It says, uh, 50 ways to leave your lover. And uh, apparently they started out good. They started out good, got married, everything was going great. And somewhere along the way, this guy, something happened, and he made a list of 50 ways to leave your lover. Says, just slip out the back, Jack. Just make a new plan, Stan. No need to be coy, Roy. Just listen to me. Hop on the bus, Gus. No need to discuss much. Just drop off the keys, Lee, and get yourself free. Some of y'all know that song. I've been married to Pastor Joanne for 17 years, and I have no intention of leaving her till death do us part. Amen. But I've been pastoring this church 
for 18 years, and I got a confession to make. I was there when Jack slipped out the back. I was there when Gus hopped on the bus, and he did not want to discuss much. I was there when Lee dropped off the keys. Let me tell you something, church. I've seen people come, and I've seen them on fire for God. I've seen them get passionate about God. I've seen them so zealous for God, and then they let their heart grow cold. They let their spirit grow cold, and the next thing you know, they were walking out the church, walking away from serving, walking away from giving, and I'm telling you, don't let that happen to you. Let the best days of serving God be ahead of you and not behind you. Come on, if you believe it, give God a praise. What happens, Pastor Jonathan? The enemy deceives people. That's all it is. The enemy deceives people. The enemy comes to deceive your mind. And I came today to tell you to finish stronger. Don't, don't. There's so many ways that you can get tripped up. There's so many ways. Good people who mean well, they get tripped up. And you better take this worship seriously. You better take serving God seriously. You better take these messages seriously. And if the tears begin to flow while I'm preaching, let them flow and wash out all the world that's coming to you. Wash out all the pain and all the hurt and all the condemnation. Let it flow by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we're living in serious times. And there's many ways to get lost. The Bible talked about it in Luke 15. The Bible talks about there's three ways that people can get lost. That they can end up lost. The first one was the lost sheep. The lost sheep, there's a lost sheep, there's a lost son, and there's a lost coin. They're not all the same kind of lost. The first one's the lost sheep. Everybody say the lost sheep. It, it wasn't that, that, that it was intentional, just little by little. The sheep just began to wander. It just began to nibble a little bit over here, nibble a little bit over here, nibble a little bit over here. And before he knew it, he looked around and there was no sheep around him, no shepherd around him, and he was in wolf territory. There's people that just little by little, just little by little, just little by little, just not going not to come to church. We're just not going to pray today. We're just not going to read our Bible this week. We just got busy. We just now, it's been two, three weeks we ain't been here. We just stopped giving. Now we just stopped serving, just little by little. And you look back and you, where am I? See, see, Satan will take you further than you ever wanted to go. Sin will take you further than you ever intended to go. And the Bible talks about the Bible. It wasn't a goat. It was a sheep. This was a believer. This was a child of God who loved the Lord. But little by little, they just began to wander away. You can wander away from God and all of a sudden get lost. There are so many people that wander away from God, wander away from their faith. They just, well, I'm just not going to serve God right now. I'm just, you know, I got this going on and that going on. We're just really busy. Who's not busy? Everybody, raise your hand if you're busy. Everybody's busy. Everybody is busy. But they just wander away. They were once in church. They, were, they, they weren't a goat. They, they were a sheep. It's possible to be a sheep and wander, to drift further and further away into the turf and the land of the enemy. They just drifted away. They just got lost. Anybody's ever been lost? You know, we didn't always have these phones where GPS used to have maps. Anybody remember maps? I know I'm going to lose all the teenagers and young adults, but we used to have to actually have a, a paper map. And you would get a highlighter and trace where you're going and plan before you left the house. This is how we... 
And if, and if God forbid your wife fall asleep while you're at the wheel, you could end up hours. Because you're not going to ask nobody for directions. God knows you can't do that. It was a sheep. This is how you know if you're a sheep or a goat is because a sheep do not like being lost. They do not like being lost. If, if you like your sin, you like your wickedness, you, 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 I, I just don't like going to church. I don't want to serve God. I just, I don't like it. I don't, I don't, you, you like your sin. You like the debauchery. You like the lying. You like the, then you're a goat. You're not saved and you need to get saved because if you don't get saved, you're going to die and go to hell. See, we need straight preaching. We, we don't need, we, we don't have time for this seeker sensitive. We need to tell people the truth. You need to get saved. And you're either a, a sheep or a goat. Jesus said, and if you're a sheep, you're not going to like being lost. And when you hear a sermon like this, if you're a sheep, it makes you want to get back into the arms of the shepherd. It makes you want to run back to the arms of a shepherd. If you're a goat, you're saying, I wish this God shut up. I want to get out of here. I can't stand this. I don't want to be here. Then you need to get saved. And I believe somebody's going to get saved today before we leave this service. Somebody say amen. That's how you know if you're a sheep, if you're drifted further and further away when the shepherd calls you. And you just nibbled little by little, little by little. And if you don't want to hear this, then something's wrong in your soul. Something's wrong in your spirit. And I believe somebody's going to give their life to Jesus before this service is over. And when they came back, when the shepherd found them, they were both rejoicing. The sheep and, and the lamb were both rejoicing. It's not just that Jesus gets excited, you get excited. When you get saved, somebody say amen about it. And that was the lost sheep. Now you got the lost son. The lost son's different. He didn't wander away. He walked away. He walked away. This wasn't a mistake. This was a decision. I purposefully choose to go in the direction of my own volition. I'm making a decision. I'm walking away. It was intentional. It wasn't an accident. He knew what he was doing. He said, give me my inheritance. I, I know what I'm doing. I know more than you. I want to do my own thing. I don't believe in you. I, I, I got my own vision. I got my own plan. Give me my money. Give me, give me, give me, give me. See, see an entitlement spirit, that's an entitlement spirit. Give me. See, after he goes through all of it and, and he finally comes back, he comes to the Father and says, make me as one of your servants. You see, the difference between give me and make me. All of us want God to give us. We're, not, we're saying, God, give me. We're not saying, God, make me. Oh, Lord. I feel like throwing my shoe out in the crowd. Somebody say, make me, Jesus. Come on, say it again. Say, make me, Jesus. We want God to give us stuff. We need to say, God, make me a better husband. God, make me a better father. God, make me a better servant. God, make me, make me, make me, make me. I don't need you to give me anything until you make me. That's why we lose our marriages and lose our money and lose our children because we've been asking God to give us stuff that we can't handle because we asked him to give it instead of make us. Make me like you, Jesus. 
He said, I don't want that. I don't want the church. I don't want to tithe. I don't want to serve in the field. I don't want to volunteer. I don't want to do any of that stuff. I, 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 I. It's all about him. And it's interesting to me that the shepherd was commanded to go to the lost sheep, but the father never leaves to go get the lost son. It's because you cannot find a lost son. He, a lost son has to find himself. You, listen to me, parents. You cannot find a lost daughter. A lost daughter has to find herself. This is different from the lost sheep. The sheep, this is different from somebody who doesn't know Jesus. This is different from somebody who's in the world and they didn't know. But when you were raised in it, when you were taught the word of God, when you, when you grew up in this and you, you chose to walk away, you chose to walk away from God, you chose to walk away. I'm not going to serve God. I know about it, but I'm not going to serve him. I'm going to do what I want. I want to live with who I want. I want to sleep with who I want. I want to drink what I want. I want to smoke what I want. I want to spend what I want. I know better than everybody around me. You cannot, there's not enough words that you can say to convince that person to come to Jesus. You cannot go get them. They have to come to themselves. What you need to do as a parent is you need to pray for them. You need to fast for them. You need to believe God's word over them. And I'm telling you, train up a child in the way they should go, that when they're old, they will not, I feel the Holy Ghost, they will not depart from the faith. And one day they're going to come, you're going to see them coming in that house. And the father ran out to meet him. He took the ring and he took the robe and he put the robe on him and put the ring on his finger and he covered all of his sin and all of his shame and all of his disgrace and he never brought it up again because he was lost but now he is found and that's what we need to do for our children when they finally come to themselves he was in the hog pen with the mud in between his toes and he came to himself and said how many servants in my father's house have bread to spare and I perish with hunger I will arise and go back to my father's house why are you yelling because that's what I do And when the father found him, he put the ring on him, he put the robe on him, and he never brought it up again. When they come home, just cover them. When they finally say, Dad, I was wrong, Mama was wrong, just cover them. Don't bring it up again. I'm just, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Just come home. Just come home. Come on, somebody. Just say, just come home. Just come home. Every parent right now, just raise your hand and say, I prophesy. My children are coming home. If you believe it, give God a praise right now. They're coming home. And lastly, there was, it's different from the lost, the lost uh, sheep and the lost uh, son. There's the lost coin. The lost coin. The, the coin was in the house. You can come play something for me. Just play something romantic, Reese. There, there's the lost coin. The coin was in the house. It was in the house. And, and this woman, she, she had lost the coin in the house. You can be lost. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying you can be lost in the house. Right here, right here today, in the house, lost. This is different from the sheep that wandered away. This is different from the, the son that walked away. These are the people that are right here looking at me. 
right here looking at me, and, and they're lost. And the thing is, she wanted to use it because it still had value. It had value, but it was out of circulation. See, you're, you're like a precious coin that Jesus wants to use, but he can't use you if you're, if you're not in circulation. He can't use you if, if, if he can't find you. You can be lost in here. Maybe you got hurt. Maybe somebody hurt you. Maybe something you, you thought was going to happen and it didn't happen and you got disappointment. I'm, I'm here today to tell you, don't, don't be the lost sheep. Don't be the lost son and be the lost coin. The coin, she couldn't find it, so she went and got the broom and she started sweeping. She started sweeping, and when she sweeped, she knocked the dust off the coin, and all of a sudden it began to sparkle, it began to shine, and she found it. See, because you can sit in here and get dusty, dust, I should call it dusty Christians, just dusty. You let the dirt of this world come on you. You let all the things of this world come on you, and now you're just dusty. And you're still valuable. That's the thing I'm trying to get you to see is you are still valuable to God. Come on, somebody. You're still valuable to God. You're not, Satan wants to tell you you're not valuable. I'm telling you that's a lie. You are still valuable to God. And you need to let the broom of the Holy Spirit sweep your heart and sweep your life and sweep your marriage and sweep your family and say, God, I don't want to be in the house and be lost. I don't want to be in the house and be lost. I want to be valuable. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying we need to get stirred up again, church. Because I believe the best days of our church, the best days of your life, the best days of your marriage are in front of you, not behind you. We can all serve God better than we're serving him right now. We can love him more than, we're serve, than we've loved him. We, we, can, we can value God more than we've ever valued him before. And I'm telling you, Jesus is coming soon. You don't want to be in the house and be lost. You know, people, I, I tell people, Jesus is coming soon. Yeah, 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 pastor. Yeah, yeah, you've been saying that. For, I'm telling you, Jesus is coming soon. Keep laughing. Keep on laughing. I'm telling you, keep on smirking and smiling, acting like, like this is a game. It's not a game. Jesus is coming soon. I'm telling you, you need to be, you need to make sure your heart is right with the Lord. And all these things of the world, they want to pull you away from your faith and pull you away from being passionate about God. We need to get stirred up. I had to bring me this little can of Coke up here. It's, nobody's intimidated by this. Nobody's scared of this. This doesn't make anybody freak out. I could open it right now. Nobody's going to do anything until I... All, see, all, all, see, some of y'all say Satan's not intimidated by you. He's not scared by you because you ain't, you ain't been let the Holy Spirit shake you. You got to let the Holy Spirit begin to shake you. Like Samson, the Holy Spirit would come on him. He shook himself. You understand what I'm saying? Like when the Holy Spirit begins to shake you again, when the Holy Spirit begins to stir your heart again, when the Holy Spirit begins to, to let the passion, that warm glow of God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Wait, some of you, you, it was a kid's camp or you were a young person. You said, God, I'll do anything for you. I'll go anywhere for you. I'll, uh, there's nothing in this world I won't do for you, Jesus. Use me, Jesus. Take my hands and take my feet and my life. Life belongs to you. You used to tell God those things. You used to be passionate about God. 
And now life has gotten busy and, and marriage and kids and business. And all of a sudden, you've just grown, you've grown flat. And all I'm telling you, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying you need to get stirred up because now if I turn around open. <laughs> See, the only difference is you got shook up. You got stirred up. Paul says to stir up the gifts that God has placed in you. God has given all of you gifts and talents and abilities. What are you saying, Pastor? Before we pray, I'm saying stir that up. Let God stir it up in you. Let's not be a church in these last days that lets our lamp go out, that lets the passion and the flame and the zeal for God go out. Let's get on fire for God like we've never been on fire for him before. Did anybody get anything out of this today? Come on, give God a praise. Amen. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us online today. And I pray that this sermon blessed your life. I want to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Obviously, ring that little bell for notifications. But we just want to encourage you to go back and watch this sermon today. Share it with a friend or a family member. We want you to know that God has a plan for your life. Let's finish this year strong. Let's make sure that we finish our walk with God stronger than when we started. Let's not just start off good and not finish well. Some of us have had some rough starts. That's okay. Even though you've had a rough start, you can still finish well today. The Bible says the race is not given to the swift nor the strong, but unto him that endureth to the end. I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart on behalf of Pastor Joanne and myself and all of our leaders here at Creative Church for giving all of you that tithe and give throughout the week and give online. It's because of your generosity we're able to continue the vision that God's given us here at Creative Church. God bless you. We're praying for you. We'll see you next Sunday.